All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just after 3 o'clock, Sports 1440 live in Orders Nation YouTube. It is the Jason Greger Show presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca, where, of course, all sorts of different odds that you want. Props bet uh, for the World Series game tonight. And, of course, uh, each individual game, you, you know what, they've added it on. If you want to do player shots, player assists, different things like that, you can do it all. Check it out at PlayAlberta.ca. It is uh, Monday, and so that means our uh, regular Monday co-host to the program. He was the uh, eighth overall selection in the 1995 draft right here in Edmonton. Former NHLer. Also stars on uh, Shorzy, which has just been announced. Uh, They will be having season three coming up. So uh, filming for that will uh, start uh, rather soon. Terry Ryan joins us uh, on the show again. TR, how are you? I'm not bad at a pretty good weekend, as I'm sure you did and many other people in oil country. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? Uh, I'm excellent. Um, now, uh, your future is not that bright. That's not why you're wearing your shades. It's uh, just because you have the uh, the eye. Just for anybody wondering, uh, Tara's got some sensitive eyes at times, so he has to wear the shades every now and then, depending on how it is. Um, although your future is looking good with uh, season three of Shorzy coming up. But I do want to ask, because I noticed a picture of you on... Uh, you seem like a guy who would like to dress up for Halloween. What's your favorite Halloween costume that you've worn? Wow. Oh, that's a great question. I should have expected it. Um, well, first of all, yeah, I've just been on the computer all day, and my eyes get a little bit sensitive. It's more comfortable for me to be like this. That's why I wear the shades indoors sometimes. Um, the favorite ever that I've ever worn, it's really simple. It's probably, uh, what's his name? God, Miami Vice. Tom Tom Selleck is it? 
Oh, no, no, no. You're, no, well, no, not Miami Vice. Oh, not Miami Vice. Oh, Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. Yeah, Magnum P.I. the mustache. shirt. Yeah, yeah. When I grow a mustache and I can, you know, I can, I, you know, I, I, I can kind of look a little bit like that person and uh, right. every once in a while if I must. This year I went three different times and it's funny, on Saturday I just dressed up like a cowboy. I had really nothing else, but I enjoy it. I get into the spirit, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow, to be honest. I have a 13-year-old. She's just getting out of that phase. but uh, She's still in it, though, know, one still... more time, right? She'll be dressed up for Halloween, go trick-or-treating tomorrow? Yeah, and you know, just think of when we were kids. There was It was mostly only kids dressing up, but now it's all like, well, I, you I, know, I mean, there's... I went. When I, I still remember, man. I went vividly. I remember going in uh, in grade nine, because now it was the start of grade nine. And, uh, and that was the last year I went, and I had no issues with it. And I tell you know, teenagers come to my house. I'm like, God, life sucks sometimes as an adult. We got to be mature. We always have to be worried about crap. I don't have any qualms. I don't care if you're 16. You decide, you know what? I want to dress up as a teenager and get some free candy. I'm all for it. I have no, you know what? Uh, I've never, I've never mocked a teenage kid when they come. Usually, like, hey guys, how's it going? Be excited for them. And you know what? Because at that age, it's like they're kind of in that awkward stage where I want to be cool, but geez, there's still a little bit of me that's a kid. So I'm, if they dress up, I don't care. Uh, what a heck of an adult came dressed up in a costume. I'd give them some candy. This doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, there's, there's, um, certainly. And even for adults, there's more get-togethers and everything. I don't remember my parents dressing up much, but now it seems that we all do almost more than the kids. Yeah. So there's, we have a yeah, we have a thing planned. We do a, a, a little bit of a thing every year. I'm with you, much like you said before. You know, I was kind of down on celebrating in the NFL, and you did. Of all the rants, and sometimes you have a sports debate, and you definitely changed my opinion on that. Well. In the same light that you look at it, you know, it's positive. Well, well, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's yeah. positive. Same sort of thing. I find if you get into the spirit of Halloween, you know, and you really want to dress up and have fun, I mean, is there any age limit on that? No, not really. There shouldn't no. be. Like, why not? Now, you know, like we could talk about bad outfits like the flames. I'm sorry. I didn't. Uh, the uh, the shirtless overalls. I'm sorry. Like I thought I, I said it to my friend. I said, I guarantee you Calgary's losing when I saw their outfits because no self-respecting guy is wearing coveralls without a T-shirt. It's just not realistic. It's not a good look. And uh, you know what? They weren't ready to go. I'm sure it had nothing to do with their outfit. But uh, to me, I thought it was a guaranteed loss when I saw the uh, the pregame outfits. For the Flames, which I think's fine. Everybody does. It's kind of a cool thing, and that's been going on for uh, for years now. The teams, you know, they dress up in some sort of different thing. It's a fun team building thing. I have no issue with it, but I just thought that was a bad choice uh, of an outfit by the uh, by the Calgary Flames. And then, were you surprised, Tr, at there there was a lot of milk cartons flying around the Calgary uh, forwards MIA when it came to five on five play because they virtually did very little amongst their top guys in that game five on five. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen a lot. You just read articles. You can't keep up on every single team, every single game. So I haven't watched them a lot. But, boy, some of them were non-existent. I was going, wow, the articles aren't lying here. These guys aren't playing with any passion. Hey, you, I know you bring up five on five, but there was a couple – there was a couple of – one of those five on three. Oh, it was terrible, it yeah. The one before. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, first they one. They couldn't get anything. Yeah. I mean it. You could put a bantam team out there to make better decisions. Guys like Kadri who should know better, like forcing plays. How are these shots getting blocked on a five on three so easily? Um, now, good for Edmonton, bad for Calgary. I Look, I'm glad Edmonton got the win covering them. I've become a bit of a fan and uh, – 
you know, I enjoy coming on here and talking positively like a player does. You know, I, I kind of, it's really, really small portion of me, but you kind of wear the loss a little bit when they lose because you got to talk about it all day. And there's a, a level of negativity. So, I mean, I'm watching that, but as I was more flabbergasted by the Flames than I was, um, you know, impressed by the Oilers. I mean, the Oilers played well. I can't think of anything bad. I mean, of course, they played well, but. I was, yeah, I was flabbergasted at, at the Flames and how poorly some of them not only played but just showed up. The, the, the level of care, you know, just seemed like a two out of ten. We'll get you to connect your uh, mic cord. It seems to be cutting in and out there a little bit. Might just adjust it. Uh, it's cutting in and out a little bit. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, the the orders. Hey, now the orders looked like the more desperate team, and we hear that a lot. And I, I think there was a lot of pressure. Both teams had a terrible record coming into the game. Uh, Edmonton was the home team. They were getting their superstar player back, and they played like the more desperate team in my eyes. I, I don't really think it was even close, right? Like you know, Kulak scores four minutes into the game. The shots were, I think, six or eight nothing at one point. And really, if it wasn't for all the penalties, uh, Emm- Edmonton like who knows how? And they still scored three goals despite uh, Calgary having two five on threes for a minute twenty one and a minute twenty four, and they only scored on the final second. Of the uh, of the second one when um, and I, I don't even know if now if Kadri did get a stick on that it's an unreal deflection I thought it might have hit his leg but either way it wasn't like it was a a pretty play it was just kind of a simple one get it back to the point and away you go but they gained no momentum Edmonton came right back uh, they killed off the remaining thirty six seconds of the power play they come right out dry subtle steps on the ice and boom fifteen seconds later it's in the back of the net and uh, and away they go so I look at um, you know the orders. Their uh, their big guns were good. Their second line was great. And you talk about playing with emotion, Terry. The last three games, Evander Kane has been the order's best forward. I I, I think by quite a while, by quite a ways. He had six shots. He did get the empty in there. He had two sit, but he had six hits. Like he was a force. And you know what? Like I like. I think it was a door off came up to him and Kane's like, I'm not fighting this guy. I don't need to fight, you know, like, but none of the other guys had an answer for him. And it wasn't just hitting Terry. Like he rocks some guys. You know what? Like there's some times where you take a guy out and then there's like a hellacious hit. He had a few big bombers as far as hits last night. And to me, I think that sets a tone. It definitely does. Remember we talked about it a few games ago, how he seemed like he wasn't into it. If there's any player that can really elevate their game, like it's almost uh, like the two ends of the spectrum with him are, I think, like the most obvious because when he's into it, he's such a big, imposing player and he's so talented that you really, really noticed it. Uh, and I think, like I've often said, it's, it's one thing for a scorer to set the tone, but everybody can't score. And, and it's almost sometimes if you watch McDavid or Dreisaitl, it can be mesmerizing. It might give you confidence as a team saying, geez, they're on our team and we're going to win. I got to go out and play well. But when someone like Kane just, just shows you a little bit of extra effort and the focus that, you know, he, when he does that, he plays so well. So, I mean, everybody can do that is what I'm saying. They, and that's contagious, like I've said before, and you can tell. And not everybody needs to go out and rock players like that. Not everybody is is his size or their level of physical specimen that he is because he, he certainly is. I mean, the guy's jacked. He's uh, an athlete that's uh, still kind of in his prime, you know. Like he's he's still a Vander Kane, and he goes out there, and when he does that, I mean, for me, it would set a tone – I, I could be the last forward. I mean, some guys got three or four minutes of ice time. What was it, Ernie? Um, yeah. I think he didn't play very much, but look at I mean, I, I counted three hits. I mean, he played that way as well. I know he has to, but still, it's just, it just seemed to me that front to back, 
They all put in an effort. They all finished checks. They all seemed focused. And that happens when you go to the right areas. That's the other thing with Kane. If he goes to those areas, it's going to happen. If he breaks out and tries to, you know, and strong on the puck, it's not all going to the front of the net, but that's a big part of it. Putting yourself, taking a hit to make a play, I mean, eight or nine times I saw that. So all positive, and it all, it's, for me, it all stemmed down from Evander Kane in that game. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on that one. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of curious uh, for Calgary. Like Nazem Kadri, yeah, he got the deflection goal, but, uh, you know, didn't see much of that from him stirring the pot whatsoever. Greer might have been their best forward last night. And he's a physical player. You know, he did have a goal, but, you know, I noticed him engage in the battle a lot for Calgary. They just didn't have a lot of other guys. I felt going and you know to me when you look at their record and you look like they've struggled all year long not only scoring but even creating chances like they're not getting a ton of chances they like they had seven high danger chances last night two five on five two and that's where the majority of the game is played so that's uh you know they're gonna have to go back to the drawing board they, they have Dallas on uh, on Wednesday so you know we'll see but I got to think the pressure's uh is mounting in Calgary because they don't have the Daryl Sutter excuse anymore, right? We kept hearing that all of last year. Oh, you know, and Daryl Sutter would come out and he'd say some things. Oh, yeah, Daryl Sutter's too hard on these guys. Well, you know, Ryan Husk is ultra-positive coach. And and so far, the, the players aren't giving them uh, very much. So, you know, now th- them and the orders are tied. It's not like Edmonton's out of the woods. It's one game, right? They, Edmonton's got to string together a few here uh, before we can say, hey, I think they've turned it around. But I, I just look at the... At the team, it was funny. My son, as we're walking out, he goes, Dad, I think the Battle of Alberta would be more fun if they had Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau. I just think it'd be more competitive. Not saying that Calgary would win, but at least be more competitive. Because <laughs> he's basically saying he kind of thought that, you know, that's a nine-year-old uh, thinking that the game was, was pretty lopsided uh, in favor of Edmonton. And so, you know, I think I think he likes the Battle of Alberta. Kachuk could stir the pot a little bit, and we've always seen that. So it's definitely, uh, you know, there wasn't much of that last night. And, uh, you know, like Edmonton, Edmonton's capable of playing that way if they want. And I, I like Zadorov's big and strong, but Calgary just, they don't have many skill guys. Like Kane and Nurse play a lot of minutes and they can play that way. Calgary just doesn't have a lot of guys who play minutes who can do that. And by the way, Nurse, let's just give him some flowers. I thought he played great. He hears it from everybody. It seems in North America when he plays bad, I just thought he was pretty solid. Much in it, not quite as obvious as Kane, but. For me, he brought it as well. He seemed focused. He was into it. He gave it to a few guys, made some uh, good plays. I didn't see him give up much, uh, so shout out to Nurse. But, uh, look, the big thing with Calgary with me, you know, if you take some of those things, if you take some of these signifiers, uh, Zadorov's comments one or two times, like c- calling out his teammates, you know, they are in a funk, and you can see when they're out there. They're not smiling. They're not getting along. It almost looks like... There's tension amongst themselves. I know that's kind of natural when you're losing, but this is early. And like you said, the Sutter thing isn't there anymore, and everybody knows that. Now what are you going to do, guys? You're doing worse. You know, what? Are you, come on here. We, we're, we're delivering you some some great players. You're in the right situation. There doesn't seem to be much tension away from the rink coming into the year. And now you're, you're in the same position. For me, I, I don't know. It's tough. And I hate to pick on guys that, that seem that that I like. I really liked watching Huberto, and you know, for someone to pick Canada, and I know he's Canadian, but a lot of players that have that option that are coming from Florida wouldn't be so excited, and and it wouldn't. It's not so easy to sign guys for seven or eight years in these long term contracts. And he went and and he did it, and you know that was exciting. 
for a Canadian team to, to ink such a huge play. I think he was third or fourth in the league in scoring when that happened. And now he looks like he's 38 years old on his last contract, hanging on to get the odd point. I don't know. It's, uh, I, I don't know. It's pretty early, but from what I saw, it's cause for alarm in Calgary. <clears throat> A hundred percent. I did got this quick uh, text that I, that I want to get to. Hey, guys, uh, I'm not trading Brown, but if he was traded at the deadline, would the cap hit for next year still uh, be the orders because it was earned on game 10? Is that correct from uh, West and Rob? Uh, no. So his bonuses for this season is how it works, right? His bonuses for this year. But in the caps, in the salary cap era, bonuses, um, he w- he still gets the bonus in actual money right now. Right. But it counts on the cap for next year. Right. Does that make sense? Um, well, for the orders, because they don't have cap space. If the orders had enough cap space and uh, it, they weren't going to be right at the ceiling, then it wouldn't matter. So in theory, you could trade Dustin Brown at the deadline. Right. And if the other team has it because the bonuses are already accrued this year and if Edmonton trades him away, I'd have to double check with Bill Scott. But because Edmonton traded him away and then he's off their cap and they don't have the bonus overages counting on their cap anymore. Right. I'd have to look at that, but I don't think so because he wouldn't be on their cap. Right. Because the, like his bonus is for this season. And the only reason it's going to next year is because that's how the bonuses work in, in this CBA, right? So any performance bonus that is, not signing bonus, performance bonus. So if you're a rookie player and you reach your bonuses that year, which you won't know until the end of the season, then they can count for an extra. Now, because his is 10 games, you would know it after 10 games. I'm going to have to ask the guys at Puckpedia. It's a good question. But if you traded him, could then some of it... Would the team that acquires him just have that go towards their cap? It's a good question. I 100% know the answer to that. But that makes more sense than it says waving him and putting him in the minors, right? But waving him and putting him in the minors makes no sense because he hasn't scored a goal in eight games. I'm sorry. It just doesn't, right? Like you didn't sign Connor Brown so he would light it up in the first eight games, right? You would like that, but that wasn't the premise of uh, why they signed him. They felt like... Overall in the season, he's going to be a positive player, plays hard. And you're seeing it like Brown four checks, right? Like, it's what he does. He's shown before he can be a, a contributing player. And coming off an injury, uh, while it might take him a few games to get up to speed, I, I won't be surprised if at the end of the year, Connor Brown has 15 to 20 goals. I, I won't be shocked by that. So, well, maybe 20 might be a little bit of a surprise, especially if he's not in the top two lines. But... You know, if Connor Brown all of a sudden kind of finds his game, and I thought he was better yesterday, if he finds his game, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he finds himself back in the top six. And then if he's playing regularly in the top six, you know, like unless you're playing Yamamoto and you're struggling mightily, you should be able to find a way to score goals. So um, that to me is uh, like the Brown to the minors is is an overreaction that makes absolutely no sense. And it's, no offense, it's been started by a small percentage of people on Twitter. Okay, that's not reality. Twitter isn't reality. Okay, it's an opinion for some people. And in this case, it's an uninformed opinion. And it's a knee-jerk one based on... And because, trust me, this was being talked about now before he played his eighth game, before he played his seventh game. So imagine that. Oh, six games. I'm going to just send the guy to the minors. Like, makes no sense, Terry. Like, winning organizations don't just give up on guys because of six games. And it's not like Brown's playing awful. He just hasn't played great. 
No, I thought he. I thought he played pretty well yesterday. I really did. And you got the history of Connor Brown. I mean, he's a, he's an honest player that gives you what he got. He says the right things. He seems to be a good teammate from everything I hear. I would never get rid of that guy so early. I, I'm, I've got high expectations for him this year, not in the 20 or 25 goal mark, but I just mean as a player that can help in the puzzle that is the Oilers. I mean, if we're going to start throwing daggers this early, there's all kinds of guys that you could say that about. I mean, uh, look, what did he play last year? A, a handful of games? He was hurt. He's not a, a, too old. He's uh, still got some legs. Still, I mean, of course he does. Um He's, like I said, a positive, says the right things. I, I assume easy to coach. He seems like that kind of guy. Oh, I, I think it's way early to think about anything. on I, I'm, you know, about moving him or anything of the sort. I think he's a good player. I really believe he's a good addition, and he'll. I think he'll continue to get better and, and prove that. Uh, I would be stunned if we're, we're talking about this after 20, 30 games in the same, uh, in the same manner. Quick break. We'll return. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation YouTube. We continue on. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan, Connor Halley with you on Sports 1440 Oilers Nation YouTube. I uh, hope you're having yourself uh, a wonderful day as we go around the NHL. Brought to you by Mick Donalds. And uh, your game, hey, it's almost over, but keep playing. Monopoly at McDonald's where whew, there's more chances than ever to win. You can peel it right on your uh, favorite order, cheeseburger, the Big Mac, maybe a milkshake, and then you can peel it on the app. Go to mickdpromotion.ca for all your information. Josh Owey joins us from The Athletic, a beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're three and five, which isn't a terrible start. Uh, you know, obviously every team would like to be better, but it's not awful, Josh. But it, it is interesting how last year the, the Ben's top guys were great and their bottom guys were unable to kind of help them. They missed the playoffs by a point. Uh, crucial loss to Chicago kind of crushed their playoff hopes. And it is early. It's only eight games. They have basically revamped their entire bottom six. They're having the same issue. How come? What is it bad luck? What, what's going on with the bottom six in Pittsburgh? Well, I wish I could tell you it was bad luck. Maybe that plays a small role. I just don't think the bottom six is very good. <laughs> they, they have one goal from the bottom six uh, in their first eight games. Uh, on the bright side, they've got some good defensive players on the bottom six, and that's helped their PK. But you know how it is in this league. Even if you have a great top two line from the Penguins do, if you don't get any offense at all from your third or fourth lines, it's going to be a problem, especially when I think you consider the depth of the Eastern Conference. There's probably 12 teams fighting for a playoff spot. Um, it's it's early, but it's it's absolutely a huge concern for the Penguins, no question. So who? how does it change in your eyes? What, like, do you, you know, what can they do? Well... Here's one thing they haven't tried yet, and it's something that I recommend. You know, I don't think your six best forwards always have to all play on the top two lines. And that's what the Penguins are doing right now. And and I would bring up a guy like Brian Rust. I mean, he's been arguably their best forward uh, in the early going. He's been outstanding. Brian Rust, however, for much of his career was a third liner. When the Penguins were winning Stanley Cups in 16 and 17, he played on the third line. Um, my suggestion, and Mike Sullivan's not listening to me, I'm sure, 
take one of these guys in the top six, move them down to the third line. You have other players you can play with Crosby and Malkin. Maybe they won't score a ton, but as long as Crosby is with Gensel, that's going to be a good line. You know, as long as Evgeny Malkin is with Riley Smith, who's been wonderful so far, that's going to be a good line. The third wheel on that line, in my opinion, doesn't need to be a big-time scorer necessarily, but that's the route the Penguins are taking, and to, to me it's just not working. When Kyle Dubas added Eric Carlson, the message was sent that they were uh, they weren't going to take a back seat, they weren't going to rebuild, they were going for it, and they were going to add more offense. Why do you think? Um, why is the power play struggling so much so far this season? Hmm. Well, I will tell you, I don't think it's struggling because of Eric Carlson. I actually think he's been pretty good. Um, but what I see on the power play. Uh, nobody's taking charge. Like when I watch the Edmonton Oilers power play, I know darn well who's running the show. Okay, <laughs> when when I watch Washington's power play, I know who they're trying to get the puck to and where on the ice he's going to be. Penguins, the, the Penguins don't seem to have a plan. And I see Crosby and Malkin and Carlson, you know, three future Hall of Famers, all being very polite and deferring to one another, and nobody is shooting the puck. <laughs> so that, to me, is a huge problem. And honestly, as great as Crosby and Malkin are, the power play does not come naturally to them the way it does McDavid, the way it did Gretzky and Lemieux. It just doesn't. Not that they're bad on the power play, but they're not natural quarterbacks on the power play the way Carlson maybe is. I'd like to see him take control more. Um, but, and one other problem with the Penguins' power play, they are small, and they have literally – zero net front presence. They're actually trying Riley Smith in that role tonight. He's been pretty good five-on-five. Five. Uh, hasn't played with the top power play. They're trying something different because, boy, it is just not working. You know, it's interesting when you mention that. You know, you need a, a presence in front at times just to create some space. You need a few point shots to go in uh, every now and then. You know, most uh, oh, power plays that have too many shots in the point aren't successful in today's day and age, but you still need to create some chaos and rebounds and everything else like that. Uh, you know, Malkin's a big body, but definitely isn't that guy uh, to do it. Does Jeff Carter just have no skill left to do that? <laughs> well, you know, it has been suggested by some in Pittsburgh to try it. He does play on the second power play. I wouldn't be against it, to be honest with you. I mean, he's still a big guy. He scored 425 goals in his career. Um, I would entertain it, but so far the Penguins and Mike Sullivan have showed no real interest in trying that. And I will say, you know, Carter's hands are not what they were even a couple of years ago. They certainly are starting to go but they need to try something different. Jake Gensel is a great player, but man, just watching him try to play in front of the net every night, the poor, he's going to end up hurt. I mean, he, he takes an unbelievable beating and he's fearless, but he's still 170 pounds. It's, it's just not his thing. And Crosby and Malkin could do it, but you don't want them taking that beating, especially in October. Um, so you'd prefer to keep them out of that area. Um, so it's, been a real problem for the Penguins. It's just simple, fundamental things about power plays. And I, I reference Edmonton's the best power play in the league for years now. And yes, they have probably the two best players in the league, but their power play is not always fancy. How many goals is it just you know, McDavid finding the open man at the point and unleashing a shot and crashing the net? I mean, that's a good way to score power play goals, no matter how talented you are. And then the Penguins just don't do it. No. Uh, what about goaltending? How's Tristan Jarvin? Uh, really up and down. He 
He has two shutouts already, which is great. Uh, he was not very good against the Ottawa Senators on Saturday night. In fact, he got yanked. Um, in general, though, I would say he's been pretty good. I don't think he's been the issue for the Penguins. Uh, he hasn't really given up too many bad goals, maybe one or two. Uh, he's finally healthy. and He was not healthy last season. I, I can tell you he had a back injury that really plagued him. It was one of those injuries he was healthy enough to play, but he never took time off, so it never really got to where it was 100%. And we would watch him practice, and he was really laboring. I mean, he would have a tough time getting up off the ice sometimes because that injury was really bothering him. So he's healthy now. I would say he's been better. My only issue with Tristan, he's a good goaltender. He's really talented. I don't remember the last time he stole a game. You know, sometimes you just need your goalie to steal one every now, once a month even, right? And he just doesn't do that. He he hasn't brought that to the table yet for the Penguins. And and they're not a great defensive team, and the power play struggles. Boy, they they could use a goalie just stealing a 2-1 game every now, and I assure you. When you mentioned net front presence, physicality, that they're small, that they get pushed around a little bit. I've seen a couple of games, and what's the word? I guess you could say they look bland. They, 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 it's one thing to be small. It's another thing not to be physical. But clearly, with, with so many stars, I can see them getting into the playoffs. I can't see them win the Stanley Cup. Do you think they need to add anything? I mean, it's, they're so non-physical, it's almost, it's almost obvious to a non-fan. Uh, what do you think they need to do? Well, no, you're right. And Okay, if you're not physical, that's not the end of the world, but you better be lightning fast like they were in 2016, and they're not anymore. Uh, their, their team speed overall is very average to me. Um, if I could pick one thing for the Penguins to, to legitimately make them a better team, um, and you're by the way, I agree with you. I, I, I picked them to make the playoffs. I still think they will get it together. I don't envision them making a cup run. I think they're too old and too small and too slow, all of the above. But they really need a third-line center badly. They're using Lars Eller in that role. He's a great defensive player. He's a perfect number four center, I think, at this stage of his career. A nice guy to win face-offs and play good defense, kind of a Dominic Moore or Matt Cullen kind of type. I don't think he can score enough to be a legitimate third-line center. And the Penguins, when they've been at their best in this era with Crosby and Malkin, they always have that third-line center. It was Jordan Stahl for years, who could be a dominant player. It was Nick Benino, who was unbelievable in the playoffs, who scored so many big goals. They don't have that guy anymore. And if they could just have one really good player as the third-line center, I think it would really change everything for the bottom six. It would take some of the pressure off of Crosby and Malkin. Crosby has to take every big defensive zone face off. The amount of responsibilities he has at age 36, even Crosby, it's going to catch up to him at some point. So that would be the number one thing, I think, for them. But I, I, I just don't think they're a cup team, even though they've got a lot of big names. Josh Yoey joins. I think that's a fair evaluation of their team. They're wanting to be a playoff team. And sure, when you get in, anything can happen. But I was looking at Crosby's usage and the amount of draws he's taking and everything like that. And I did wonder, like, I know he's one of the greatest players of all time. There's no question, right? Like, he's in the conversation of top 10 players of all time. I don't think there's much debate about that. But, you know, even though, like, he is, this isn't Sid the kid anymore, right? It's like Sid the, Sid the teenager, you know, (laughs) Sid the young adult, if we want to go by that phrase. And I just, yeah, you know, I, I wonder if, if they're – are they going to the well too often in your eyes? 
I think so. And you, you mentioned at the at the start of this interview, you know, it was that Chicago game that knocked the Penguins out of the playoffs back in April, or playoff contention, I should say. And it was during that stretch, and I've covered Crosby for 15 years, during the last month of last season was the first time I ever saw him look tired. I, I just think, and he played all 82 games, and people said, oh, how could the Penguins have missed the playoffs when Crosby and Malkin played 82 games? I almost think it hurt them because they just had to play so much for six months straight, more responsibility than ever, especially on Crosby. And I think he did wear down. And that game's a great example. I don't know if you were watching that game or not. Crosby had six shots on goal in the first period against the Blackhawks in that game. Didn't have a shot the rest of the game. Just wore himself out. Um, you're right. He's a top-ten player all time, no question. I still think he's one of the great players in the game. But he's not just going to put them on his back the way he could 15 years ago, frankly. He's 36 now, and the league is just much better now than it was then. It's just I don't need to tell you guys that having one or two great players isn't enough to win a championship. It it takes so much more than that, and Crosby knows it better than anyone. And I think Kyle Dubas did a lot of good things this summer. I do. But, you know, this is still a very flawed roster in some ways. Josh, always good to uh, catch up with you. Appreciate your time. Uh, Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. That is uh, Josh Joey joining us from the Athletic in Pittsburgh. And I like what he said about the power play, TR. Like, you know, you need someone to take control, right? Like, you know, in the order's power play, it's McDavid and Drysaddle. They run everything, right? Mm-hmm. Then Nugent Hopkins, the third option. And that's totally fine. And, and everybody's, you, you, you know it. Nugent Hopkins, a very good number three. But if he's your number one, it's probably not as good on the power play. And that's fine. And, you know, Sid just plays a different game. And, you know, Carlson is a magician on the power. Like, look at Carlson. Everyone was like, oh, you know, he wasn't that good in San Jose. Really? Go look at San Jose now without Eric Carlson and tell me how mm-hmm. how much of a difference he made for that team. You know, it kind of, in a way, in a way, I compare Carlson's big year last year to, to Bouchard his boosted presence at the end of last year because you remember when Brent Burns was there and they were sharing that, you know, I mean, two right-handed defensemen that, you know, took a lot of the, I don't, I, I think they played well together. I don't think either one, there was no animosity, but when Burns left Carlson, now it's your team and he had the hundred points or whatever. And it's like when, um, Oh God, Barry, when Tyson Barry, who elevated his game. Um, and, the difference was San Jose were going nowhere. So I can totally see why a team went for him. I can even see why Pittsburgh. I was surprised at that call, but I knew it would make them a lot better. Uh, at least, you know, I don't know if anybody was calling out for Pittsburgh to score more goals, but Eric Carlson can't hurt you, and he has. He's looked great. So it puzzles me as much as it puzzles you. A, it is a little bit early, but for the Penguins to go 15 or 16 tries on the power play, that's like – you know, you're talking about more than a half hour having those guys out there against four players and nothing going in. I find that a little bit. <laughs> I find that a little bit surprising. I really do. So, and you know, a lot of them have played together for a while. They are getting older. Um, I think they'll put it together when it comes to the power play, and maybe when that happens, other things will lock into place too. And if you look at Gensel's numbers, they're just one of those. It's just weird. You know, he's just getting all kinds of chances. Analytics, not that I always do, but I did in this case. Um, I, I think things will start to sway the other way. You know, it is it is early in that pendulum swing. 
We'll return. We have uh, Ryan's rant coming up, uh, Andy Petrillo, and more on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation YouTube. 347. Jason Greger, Connor Halley, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440. Orders Nation uh, YouTube. We've got a lot of text flying in our Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440. I, I do have to say, I, I'm always intrigued by people for four years. People are like, yes, he does a lot for your team. He does a lot for your team. Look at his analytics. Didn't produce. Playing mainly with 97. So does, uh, Connor Brown in eight games, I want to say eight games, not three years, eight games. Hasn't put up big numbers in eight games. And those same people are like, oh, you got to wave him. Despite having better analytics than Pugliarvi ever had. And oh, by the way, he's not playing mainly with Connor McDavid. He might again. He probably will. Because I don't think Warren Fogel is a lock there for an extended period of time. He's deserved to play there now. Great. Might switch in two weeks. Might switch in a week. You never know. But... um you, you watch and, and and people, yeah, but what about next year? Like, if you're, you should have then ripped the Connor Brown signing from the get-go. Not waited for eight games. Because if you're worried about the bonus for next year, then his production this year was irrelevant. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Be irrelevant. Right? So that's what makes no sense to me. So unless you rip the signing from the day it happened, if you did, good on you, then you're being consistent. But if you did, it was like, hey, I like Connor Brown. Oh, geez, he hasn't scored in seven games. Wave him. Wave him. Like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Let's get to uh Ryan's rant. Brought to you by Action Electrical. Uh, they have electrical preventive maintenance for commercial buildings. Of course, they have a residential solar and commercial solar options for you and uh, can help you walk through all the ways you can get the uh, the grants and the savings from the government of Canada. Go to actionelectrical.net. Here is Terry Ryan and Ryan's rant. 
Well, I wasn't sure what to talk about today, uh, Jason. How's my mic? Can you hear me good? Yeah, way better. All good now? Okay. Um, I wasn't sure what to talk about. I wasn't a huge Friends fan. I, I watched some of it. I thought it was a little childish. I liked Seinfeld. But the only reason I would watch Friends would be Matthew Perry. I thought his character, more so than the other ones, it's almost like he had to be funny. He was that sarcastic you know, for me, he stirred that whole pot. Um, and he's Canadian and he loves hockey. So anybody like that, I like to pay attention to. And, and he was in a few good movies. I mean, so point is, I guess I like the guy. And a few years ago, upon a friend's request, who was a su- substance abuse, he, he was a substance abuser and had come out of it on the right side of up and had read Matthew Perry's book. So mm-hmm. he, he turned me on to it, and I read it, and there was some crazy stories there. And the one that really hit home was when, I mean, he's he's Chandler Bing, he's Matthew Perry, and he he was finding it hard to get drugs when he became real heavy into it. And he was up to fi- over 50 Vicodin a day, this he's- guy was taking. And he said one of the ways that he would get them, because it's one thing to have the money to get them, but then it's having to explain that you're taking that many and, and, you know, people would be concerned and there would be doctors that wouldn't do it. So he would go to open houses and he would go and and say, we had to go take a whiz and dig into the medicine cabinet and steal these prescribed pills from other people. And he's like, no one would ever assume Chandler Bing would do that. So I, he said, I barely ever even got questioned and I did it all kinds of times. And I'm like, wow, like that's some level of addiction, right? When you got to do that. Yeah. And you'd never say it seeing him interviewed. And he, he was almost, he was such a smooth, his brand of comedy, he was so good at it. It was almost like Paul Coffey skating. You know, there's an Evan Toiler's reference for you, but, you know, it was flawless, right? He's like Will Ferrell. He can tell you a, a morbid story and still you're almost waiting. You'll chuckle a few times. It's just his natural, natural default setting to me. It, it seems that way. Okay. And and then you find out, you know, that he was acting in real life half the time, you know, obviously trying to hide this. So there's a lot of layers to this guy. And I guess in appreciation for that book, because he said one thing in the book that really hit home. He said he, he doesn't care if he got remembered by friends. He wants to be remembered as someone who helped people. Okay, so... That really hit home as well. And the, the, if you read it, the, the whole book isn't, um, you, you know, it doesn't, doesn't focus on addiction, but a big part of it is I highly recommend it to anybody. It's just a good human story of ups and downs. But my favorite, first of all, my favorite uh, Chandler Bing moment, Matthew Perry moment on Friends, I think it's the first season. Again, I didn't watch every episode. I found it fairly funny at times. If he wasn't in it, I would never have watched it. Uh, but he was caught. It was a it was a blackout. The power had gone out, and he was stuck outside of an ATM machine. And a girl in the show that he liked back in the day, her name in the show it's Jill Goodacre, but but she was a real model as well, is a real model. And so there's a lot of meta reality going on. And he gets and he sees her outside this ATM machine, and he looks over, and he doesn't have a cell phone. And the, like I said, the power is out, and. She says to him, would you like to call anybody? Because he's kind of hitting on her and, 
you can tell there's a vibe. And he says, yeah, about 300 other guys I went to high school with. And it was funny because that was his first season. I think he was 24 or 25. And he'd just kind of taken that role. And she was a real model. And you would have said that anyway. So I felt, and he was so close to his character a lot. Like, you know, when you saw his sarcasm, his level of humor, his wit. So really, that that really resonated with me and, and hit home. Because that was like almost like Matthew Perry's saying it himself, you know, a level of meta reality, I think they call it. And so that was probably my favorite moment. I figured I'd say it in, in, in you know, the events that have happened in the last couple of days. And, you know, I'm not, I've said on here, I'm not overly religious. I do believe energy goes somewhere and hopefully Matthew Perry is somewhere and, 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 and can understand how many people that he helped, at least his family can, because I'm telling you this, my buddy, I told you about at the beginning of this little segment, who had a real drug problem, and I hadn't seen him in years, Jason. This guy I went to high school with, but I hadn't, not even high school, man. It was it was grade school, <laughs> and he just reached out, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and he said to me, he goes, Terry, I hate needles, and I hate heights, and he said, you know, imagine getting hooked on drugs. He just remembered I hated needles from getting the stabbed, you know, when you got to get your vaccines in, in, in grade school and stuff. He remembered that. And I don't, I hate them. So, and he said, you know, imagine if you were so addicted to something that you were shooting yourself up. Yeah. I go like, I can't even, that I, I hate needles. He goes, no, but it's just like, I'm telling you right now that if you were addicted to so-and-so drug, you'd go bungee jumping. And I'm going, no, he goes, no, if it meant to get the drug, I'm telling you. And then he, he came back and he goes, what we're big part of what that, what got me off of drugs was reading that about Matthew Perry. If, if a major star like that is going into steel drugs from medicine cabinets, that tells you where his head was at, that drugs were number one. He goes, now picture that picture yourself shooting yourself up and you hate needles picture the worst possible thing. And that's where I am. And that's where I was. So that's when he was recommended the book and I read it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It was courageous. It was interesting. And if I never knew anything about Friends or Matthew Perry, it still would have been a great book. So I figured, you know, if I'm going to talk about something today, he had a good Canadian kid that that uh, seemed humble, even in all of his fame. And right to the end, really was helping people. And I, I, I hope his family is aware of just how much of an impact. If he made if he made an impact in Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, Canada, you know, then I'm sure that that sentiment was probably echoed all over the world. So rest in peace, Matthew Perry. I figured I'd give him a little bit of a shout out. There you go. Huh? It's a good one for uh, Ryan's rant brought to you by Action Electrical. I, I haven't read his book, but that is a it's an amazing story that uh, that, you know, and I think there's lots of people out there. Uh, unfortunately, you know, addictions for, for there's lots of different types of addictions and it can make intelligent people uh you know, famous people, hardworking people do things that just are completely irrational. And and that's what that's why it's such a, a scary addiction. And whether it's, you know, alcohol, whether it's drugs, uh, you know, whether it's gambling, whether it's sex, there's lots of different food uh addictions, there's lots of different ones. And so um, you know, anybody out there who's uh dealing with one, hopefully you can uh, get the help, ask for help, and hopefully there's someone out there that can uh, can resonate with you and have you uh, changed the course of your life? Because uh, you're worth it. That's the one thing you have to remember. If you're going through a tough time right now, you are worth it much more than you think right now. And there are people in your life who would love you and be uh, devastated 
um, you know, if you didn't get your life turned around. So always remember that. 357, uh, Andy Petrillo will join us next. Uh, we got uh, more on the orders uh, in another weird stretch of the season where they basically play one game in a week. Right, uh, they had Friday and Saturday off. They play Sunday, then they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, and then they play Thursday against the uh, Dallas Stars. Who uh, the Stars playing tonight at home to Columbus? Then they're in Calgary Wednesday, and then into Edmonton on Thursday. So the Orders will be playing a team. Third game in four nights. Uh, second half of the back-to-back. Uh, the Orders clearly will be the uh, fresher team. They got to take advantage of it. Doesn't guarantee you wins. Just gives you an advantage to start the game. Then it's up to them to use it. To their advantage. Let's get to uh, the con man and a sports 1440 update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the road ready sales event, you can get up to $225 off select tires and a bonus of $50 savings for any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions apply. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.